Hello and welcome back to the Int Files podcast, where we talk about all things spooky and intelligence related. I'm Sage Heil and I will be your host. Today, we have two very special guests joining us who have never told their stories before. These two guests are members of ATIP, or the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identifications Program. Now, this program wasn't made public until December 2017 when it was reported on by the New York Times. Yet still very little is known about what actually went on within this top secret UFO program. But today, we have two investigators willing to discuss how they collected information and intelligence and what exactly they think about the UFO phenomenon. Guys, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, everybody. My name is Christopher Sabetta, and I've been with ATIP for six months now. So I'm considered a rookie. I have a background in higher education with Master of Intelligence from Harvard, with also a background of alien hunting with my family since I was 10 years old. And hi, my name is Matthew Stevens. I've been with ATIP for six years, and I've been one of the lead intelligence analysts for the organization. I have a background in military and special operations intelligence and was invited to be part of ATIP. Well, thank you guys so much for your willingness to disclose what you've been working on and for joining us today. Now, thank you for having us. Uh, we felt like we needed to share our stories with all the details that have been officially released a few years back in 2017, as well as some of the new footage that's been coming out of these unidentified uh, aerial phenomenons, UAPs, caught on camera by our U.S. Navy and our, our U.S. Uh, Air Force pilots. We we're hoping by speaking out and sharing what we know and we can gain a little bit more uh, public support and hopefully we're kind of hoping to seek to get some uh, adequate funding and research and further develop this program as well as get some answers. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again for allowing the public to access this information. I first wanted to start off talking about the intelligence process. On this podcast, we've discussed intelligence as a cycle with five stages. The first stage being planning and direction in which you're given direction by policymakers, the second stage being collection, in which you use various methods to collect information, the third stage being processing of the information, the fourth stage being all source analysis, and the fifth being dissemination. Is this cycle of collecting intel similar um, to what you do at ATIP? Well, for us, broadly speaking, I guess you could say we follow the intelligence cycle as in, yes, we plan things. Yes, we collect information. We analyze it. Uh, we process and analyze it and disseminate that information. But that's a little too straightforward for how our intelligence works, for us at least. We are dealing with an unknown. There isn't a, a lot of historical data or, or research for, for us on our topic uh, for us to go back and reflect on. So we have to be a little bit more flexible of our approach on our intelligence strategy. The flow of our intelligence process is very complex, more of like a web, if you will. And what I mean by that is that we have the fundamentals of the intelligence cycle present in our operations, but we're constantly going back and forth through the process with as new information is coming in, as new discoveries come in. Um, Chris, do you have anything you want to add? Sure. I like the way Matt compares it to the web. As a human intelligence focused agent, I usually go out and interview individuals and analyze the information they give me. This can then be combined with other interviews to form a sort of pool of information. And once it's complete, I send this information to our analysts and they determine if intel is vital. Once this is complete, we update our collection plan for meetings that revolve around human intelligence. And while this is happening all at once, 
it usually goes back and forth until we publish any official statement just to make sure that everything's accurate and there's no misleading information. Okay, a web is a great way to think about intelligence. So on this podcast, we've discussed that there's many methods for collecting information in Intel. You have open source intelligence, social media intelligence, uh, personal or protected information intelligence, human intelligence, signals intelligence, um, and then you have measures and signatures intelligence. Can you guys discuss what methods you use to collect intelligence and information and what type of intel was most important to ATIP? Oh, I'll let Chris take lead on talking about human. That's more of his field. Sure, human is, is short for human intelligence and is a process of gathering intel from human-based sources. This is usually achieved through interviews from informed undercover officers that question individuals, and in some rare cases, it comes from torture. As portrayed in the 2012 movie, Zero Dark Thirty, which I'm personally, I'm not a big fan of, just saying that. Human uses used to be a preferred method before the rise of, tele of technology. So in a way, human is more of a traditional way of obtaining information. As an expert in human intelligence, it can be difficult to determine if the information the information is accurate. Under the stress of advanced interrogation, some lines can become blurry. This is why it's always important to have some level of info before questioning. But back to the podcast, I do have an interesting interview with an individual that was supposedly abducted by aliens outside of Huntsville, Texas. Oh, perfect. We'd love to hear it. Sure, we cannot share all of the interview involved in the incident, but we do have multiple sources reported on this, some of which unfortunately are classified. So the one that I have here is of a student with dash cam footage of him catching the UAP and his, and his experience. Hello, this is Christopher Spada. I am an expert on aliens. Today I'm going to be talking to Gabriel Rodriguez. You want to tell yourself? You want to tell us a little about about yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Gabriel Rodriguez. I am 20 years old. I'm a student at Sam Houston State University. So can you tell me what happened on the night of April 20th? Yes, yeah, so I was driving back from Dallas on my way to Huntsville, where I go to school. Um, at approximately 12.44 a.m., I believe it was, I was north of Madisonville, about five or ten minutes out. And all of a sudden, I recall seeing a beam of light, very bright, just come onto my car. and. Next thing I knew, I was, um, I woke up in a field outside of the holiday unit in my car. Couldn't remember anything. I checked the, I checked the time and it was, uh, you know, uh, an hour had passed and I couldn't remember a single thing. As you can hear in the recording, Gabriel had driven home from Dallas, but unfortunately had lost an hour of time. However, we were able to verify this because of the dash cam footage and along with radar data. Thank you, Chris. So I can talk a little bit more about the different ants, if you will. And as an analyst, I, I do my best in trying to make sense of all the information that we're collecting from all the different other uh, ants that are out there. I will just say that with a lot of false information and conspiracy and fake news that are out there, we tend never lead with these sources because um, we never have anything solid to stand on. So what we generally like to do is wait till we've caught something, uh, one of these UAPs on MassSend or radar or 
one of our other intelligence systems, or even when one of our pilots visually witnessed something that they cannot explain. Then we begin our intelligence gathering process. We want to wait to have collected some form of information that first comes from something that's tangible and credible uh, through one of these official channels before we begin. Once a UAP has been detected on one of these systems, we begin breaking down and trying to figure answer, uh, try to answer two fundamental questions. And they are, what is this and how does it work? So some of the things that are reported or show up on our radars that start out as UAPs don't end up as one. For research and information gathering, uh, we can determine sometimes what it is, such as whether or not it's a weather balloon or some unregistered device that's in the air. <clears throat> However, some of these UAPs we cannot explain. Uh, and if we officially identify one of these, we begin to scan uh, OSINT or social media segment to see if uh, we're able to, if anyone else caught in, uh, maybe something different on one of these or saw a different angle or something that we've missed, that way we can kind of build a better intelligence picture of this. However, even through all this, we still might have things that we cannot identify. And those are what we actually consider like true UAPs. And that's what we're trying to answer. Uh, and that's when we start trying to answer our second question of maybe how these things work. Uh, we have a team of engineers, physicists, military officials, and multiple liaisons from different intelligence agencies, all working within ATIP, trying to figure out what these UAPs are and how they are working. Interesting. Okay, so to go back to the human intelligence, how did you know what information you were collecting was actually true and not just made up by some wackos? Thank you for bringing up that point. While in Huntsville, we had interviewed other people with interesting stories, such as this segment here. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. This stays between us, right? Of course, no one's going to find out about this interview. Okay. Look, buddy, I have a wife and kids. This really needs to stay between us. Do I have your word? Yeah, my word. I guarantee you no one else is going to hear this. Okay, so once they were done cutting me, they unstrapped me and flipped me over onto my stomach. Then, uh, you know, like I said, I was on my stomach, so I couldn't really, really see what they were doing. But the next thing I know, I just felt this very uh, cold metallic object uh, enter my rectum. Oh, God, that sounds awful. Well, um, the thing is... Uh, Did you like it? Once again, this stays between us. Uh, of course. Look, I'm not gay, okay? But, um, you know, th this experience uh, is making me question my sexuality. So, as you can see from the segment, this guy is way out there. And he could be making this story up to become famous. This is the issue of human, as some individuals might say something wild to get their 15 minutes of fame. Oh, wow, what an interesting video. Matt, do you have anything to add? Yes, overall, we try to filter out as much as we can and mostly wait to begin collecting on a certain situation until we've collected uh, on an instance through some form of an official channel, such as through radar or a pilot or something, uh, another uh, intelligence system. However, after that, uh, we begin to start painting an intelligence picture uh, 
for the use to better understand what we're actually dealing with. All those uh, different officials, such as the different agencies, the military officials, the physicists and engineers, etc., all contribute to painting a picture of what we're actually looking at. Each of them adds like a little bit of color and a little bit of detail, uh, trying to better understand what these UAPs, UAPs are. But unfortunately, we fully don't understand what we're seeing just yet because our current knowledge is still very limited to our modern day technologies. We can rationalize some of the things that we're seeing, such as break down how fast an object is moving through triangulation, and we can visually see these uh, these things changing direction instantaneous, or instantaneously, uh, but today those things are impossible with the aerial systems that we have. Um, our engineers and our scientists all claim that these things are just not obtainable, such as it takes a, uh, a plane today uh, moving at those speeds that we've we've seen uh, nearly an entire state to turn, but we just can't do that. Like our, our systems just can't do that. Uh, so unfortunately at this time, we still don't know exactly what we're actually painting when it comes to these uh, UAPs that we see, uh, which is really frustrating to our policymakers and our officials that we're reporting to because they want a yes, uh, a for sure answer. They want to know a yes, no. And unfortunately we just can't deliver that without more research. I love that example. So intelligence is like painting a picture of the future. All right, so we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, Olive Garden. Do you have kids always seeking attention and always wanting food? Are they always craving that delicious pasta? Does mommy need to stuff them full of pasta and drink a glass of wine so she can go to bed at night? Come to Olive Garden for endless pasta tonight. Now back to the story. So you kind of mentioned collaborating with others for analyzing the information that you collected. How exactly did this happen and who did you collaborate with? Yes, there are more scientists than anything that make up ATIP. These physicists and engineers are our true backbone of trying to understand these UAPs. They are the ones that really do most of the work in figuring out how these UAPs work or how these things could theor theoretically work. What is unfortunately is we deal with a lot of theoreticals of these things because our modern day technology can't really support testing or creating some of these things for actual factual data. Our technology just isn't there yet. This is upsetting to a lot of the officials that we report to uh, because they want a black and white yes and no answer to these things. Additionally, not all the officials we report to can actually fathom what we're actually saying. And just some even straight up don't believe what we're saying, even though we have video evidence uh, to prove that these UAPs is, exist. Some officials are biased because of historical perceptions of UFOs or aliens, or, and some, some officials don't want to believe anything else due to religious purposes. So it's really hard to get a full intelligence picture drawn for these people because of these historical and religious uh, biases on understanding this topic. Wow, so this is truly fascinating. You're telling me that we don't have anything like this? No, based off what, what we know and our scientists and engineers can recreate, there's nothing like this in the world. And we are at least 100 years, if not more, from this technology. From a defense intelligence stance, we know that other countries such as China or Russia does not have these capabilities either. So this is where we sort of have to label these things as unknown. 
Wow. So based on everything and all the information and intelligence that you've collected, what do you think these UFOs are and are they a threat? Personally, I don't think so based on the intel I have collected over the course of a year. The UFOs are more curious about humans rather than trying to eliminate us. They seem to be watching us and our interactions during the day and see what we have been doing. This can be compared to us going to the zoo and looking at the animals. We watch them with fascination. While this can change in the future, they are not a threat to the human race at this moment. How do you feel about this, Matt? For me, it's so hard to say because we're dealing with something that is unknown. Our intelligence picture is barely painted at all. We just, we've got some things and we've painted a little bit, but we still just don't know what this picture is. I will say there is a couple running theories and those are the UAPs are here for resources or to study our planet. Um, there has been mention of UFOs, aliens, and things that we can't explain since, I don't know, throughout history, and these things have been identified barely, or haven't really been identified, and are barely even noticed. We have found uh, a lot of instances where these uh, UAPs like to be around oceans or near large bodies of water, and even can maneuver relatively easy in and out of these, uh, these wa uh, the water back into the air, as far as we can tell. Which leads us to believe that the UFOs if, are more into researching and studying and collecting resources from our planet more than being hostile. If they were hostile, their scouting missions or behavior would be a lot more militaristic. But what we've gathered so far shows that these UAPs are not hostile at all. They're just more observing. And it's important to continue to study these things and further develop this topic because, as another ATIP uh, once said in an example, um, Imagine you're at home every night, you know, you go to bed, you lock the doors and the windows and you go to bed. But one morning after you've locked all the windows and doors and everything, uh, you wake up and you find a set of dirt, uh, muddy footprints that are on the carpet. Now, nothing in the house has been disturbed or stolen or anything. There's just footprints on the carpet. You would want to know where these footprints are coming from and, you know, what they are. Uh, because they're present, and if they, for whatever reason, wanted to cause you harm, they most definitely can get past anything that you have for security. Wow, that is fascinating. So, you heard it here first, folks. We have UFOs. They're visiting us. Their technology is not like anything we have on Earth, and we're still trying to figure out what they are and how they work. But it is refreshing to hear that you guys don't think that they're a threat to our well-being. I just wanted to say a big thank you y'all joining us on our podcast today yes thank you for having us it's been a pleasure yes it has been thank you for having us on this podcast if you like today's podcast remember to tune in next week where we will be talking about mk ultra thanks for listening uh -huh.